What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today's going to be the first episode of some smaller episodes, some shorter episodes that I'm going to be doing somewhere ideally in that like 10 to 15 minute mark. Um, I haven't done it yet, so we're going to see how long it takes. Maybe it's longer, maybe it's shorter. I'm still going to be doing all my longer form content, my interviews, my single episode breakdowns in that 60 minute mark, Q&As in that 30, 45 minute mark. But sometimes I feel like when I'm doing the Q&As on a podcast and definitely on Instagram that there's space to expand a little bit. Uh, Maybe not into a 60 minute episode, but maybe into like a 10 to 20 minute episode. And I'm usually trying to do those Q&As in a little bit more rapid format. And so I'm going to take some questions, some topics that maybe we can expand upon a little bit, but maybe not uh, in so much where they need their own super long episode. And so we'll see what this, what becomes of this something in that 10 to 20 minute range. Today, we're going to talk about junk volume. What, what, what is junk volume? Who cares? How do I identify, how do we identify it? How do we kind of rectify um, if you are doing junk volume? And so I tried Googling this for some objective definition and you don't really get any. Um, you're going to have five different people saying five different things. And so to me, a general definition of junk volume would be that uh, shit that you're doing for no benefit or at least vastly diminishing returns to a point where it's not efficient for the average person. Uh, So there's some room for uh, a movement in the end of that definition here where it's like some people are not going to care if there's diminishing returns. If this is your entire life, Uh, efficiency isn't as important as as important as optimal if your goal is to be Mr. Olympia. But I would say for the average person, junk volume should at least take into account stuff that you're doing that's vastly diminishing returns or or quite inefficient. So to me, junk volume is going to mean at least three things. Um, remember, it's going to be stuff that you're doing that's either giving you no benefit or diminishing returns to the point where it's not efficient. And again, we're talking about this in the context of hypertrophy. So junk volume is... It is at least three things in my opinion. The first would be sets that are not taken close enough to failure. So what we know about hypertrophy is we need to bring the target muscle, let's say within five reps from failure. So let's say the, the last five reps before failure are the ones that grow muscle. And so if you never get within five uh, reps from failure, then that set was not stimulative for hypertrophy. Essentially, it was a warm-up set. Um, and so sets that are taken not close enough to hyper, uh, to failure, let's say not taken within five reps from failure, in my opinion, are junk volume because it's a set that you're doing that had no benefit, not, you know, had no actual hypertrophic, no adaptations attached to it. It was a good warm-up set, but obviously not a working set. Um, you could even expand that a little bit if we wanted to get um, a little bit more on the efficiency side and say that even if you're doing sets in that like four to five RIR uh, range, which technically would be stimulative because we do know it's like quote, the last five reps that are close to closest to failure that are going to cause growth. So if you are within four or five reps, let's say you stopped at 10 and you could have done 14, technically you, you got some, you know, adaptations from that. What I would say though is even those four or five RAR sets are in that, or at least in the discussion of being inefficient, right? You, you could have done one or two more reps or three or four more reps. Um, and, you know, we're not going to go into a wider discussion of should you always go into failure? You shouldn't. And there's going to be a time where you're doing four to five RAR sets. What I would say is if you're always doing four to five RIR sets, then that's probably a lot of wasted time. Are those sets technically junk volume? No. Could you, on average, make better use of your time getting, on average, closer to failure? Sure. So the first one is junk volume are, is junk volume is sets not taken close enough to failure, and we can say close enough uh, can be defined as within five reps from failure. Cool. The second thing that I would classify junk volume as would be sets while they might be taken close to failure, sets that are outside of the hypertrophy rep range. 
Very loosely, we can say the hypertrophy rep range is something like five to 30 reps. In the research, we see that sets of, you know, anywhere between five and 30 show equivalent hypertrophy when taken equally close to failure. So if you're outside of that range, north of 30 or under five, we can say that that is junk volume for hypertrophy. Um, and what we can say is that, you know, sets that, again, even if it's taken close to, close to failure, if you're using more than, if, if it's taking you more than 30 reps, chances are the loads are just too light to really recruit all of those high threshold motor units. Um, it's just, it's either not stimulative at all, although I would argue if you do a set of 50 to failure, it's still stimulative uh, for hypertrophy. Technically, it's massively inefficient. You're getting way less hypertrophy and it's taking you way longer. I mean, a set of 50 reps, if someone's like, yeah, a set of 50 reps to failure definitely gives you hypertrophy. I'm like, does it give me more than if I do a set of seven? They're like, no. Okay, well, it took me like two extra minutes to get all the way up to fucking 50 reps. So uh, I would say that it's at, at best inefficient and at worst not stimulative. And then sets of less than five are likely insufficient volume for hypertrophy and use such heavy loads that we're unlikely to kind of recreate that volume that we would need with more sets because the loads get so heavy, which can be hard on the joints to some degree. Um, Cool. So sets uh, outside of the hypertrophy rep range, outside of that five to 30 rep range can be classified as junk volume. If you're doing sets of 40 to 50, again, you're at best getting way less hypertrophy and being super inefficient and at worst not getting hypertrophy. Uh, and then if you're doing doubles and triples, well, that might be really great for neurological benefits, for powerlifting, for strength training. It's just likely really, really difficult, not practical to accumulate the amount of volume you would need to grow uh, optimally for hypertrophy. So the last thing that we can classify uh, junk volume is uh, as is added volume beyond what you can recover from or at least volume that's added that has massively diminished returns. So what does that mean? It means that if we take a look at volume requirements for hypertrophy, what we're looking at is an upside down U-shaped curve. And what that means is really low volumes on the one end of that upside down U. So I want you to imagine an upside down U. On the on the left side of that U, let's say, sorry, I'm imagining it in my head, at the really low end, we see not great benefits. And then as you increase volume from very low to maybe moderate, we see more gains, more gains with more volume, more gains with more volume. Eventually that hits a peak where more gains doesn't give you more volume. I would argue that it's not actually a U-shaped curve. It's more of like a, a, a diminishing return at some point where that line becomes more and more, I think asymptotic is the word, but I'm gonna, I butcher that. Somebody who knows math is gonna yell at me. I believe that that line eventually just becomes like flat lines. It becomes horizontal and you don't get any more benefit. And then eventually more added volume will eventually give you worse benefit. And so there's going to come a point and it's going to be different for everybody. We're going to talk about it in a second where adding more sets starts to give you diminishing returns in terms of benefit. Like let's say you're doing one set in a workout and then you do two and then three and then four and then five. Eventually, or as you're doing that, my bet is that you're getting better hypertrophy as you're adding volume. But what about from the 15th set to the 16th, to the 17th, to the 18th, to the 19th? I think we would all agree at some point there's diminishing returns, right? And then at some point you're actually exceeding what you can recover from and probably getting, or I would say definitely getting worse gains. And so at some point you're gonna hit a peak, you know, within the industry, we might call it your maximum adaptive volume, which is like the most you could do and see meaningful benefits from, and then beyond which you're either getting diminishing returns or worse benefits. Um, and so again, just to kind of reiterate, this would be added sets beyond what you can recover from, or at least beyond that peak maximum adaptive volume where, you know, more sets added on top of this is going to give at best 
diminishing returns and again potentially worse gains depending on how how you know how much volume and whether or not you're exceeding your recovery abilities uh recover abilities recovery abilities whatever so where does that happen right so how many sets am i doing to a point where does this point of diminishing returns begin where does this point of dimin of of negative returns begin and it's different for everybody. That U-shaped curve is going to be different for everybody. Some people are going to do best on the lower end of the volume spectrum. Some people are going to require, you know, the higher end of the spectrum. But it is absolutely a bell curve. And so a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I need a ton of volume. It's like, you probably don't. Like, by definition, you're probably an outlier. Uh, or, sorry, by definition, you're probably not an outlier. Now, there are there are absolutely outliers. There are going to be people who are going to need, you know, 20 sets of a certain muscle group per week, let's say. Um but I would raise a skeptical eyebrow in those scenarios and just kind of say most people fall into the average of moderate volumes are best and doing super high volumes probably at best is inefficient and potentially could be more than you can recover from. Um, so kind of wrap this up. We're at nine minutes here. So let's see what we can do. Let's wrap this up. What is junk volume? Well, junk volume is at least three things. It's sets that are not taken close enough to failure to be stimulative. It's sets that may be taken close to failure but are outside the hypertrophy rep range. Or it's sets that are added beyond what you can recover from or beyond your maximum adaptive volume, let's say, to a point where, you know, you keep adding sets, you keep doing more work, but you're getting vastly diminishing returns per set that you add. And then eventually getting to a point where you're, you know, quote, overtraining or doing more than you can recover from. So wh when does this happen? Where do I feel like this happens a lot? I'd say the biggest offenders are the too far from failure crowd. And what ends up happening is you're so far from failure and your sets are not tiring, they're not fatiguing, and by definition, not stimulative. Um, yeah, so they're not stimulative. And so what do you do? Well, you add more sets. And so the too far from failure crowd and the I'm doing way too much volume or way more than I need to usually are linked together because you're like, you know, these sets aren't super hard. And so I need a whole lot of them for me to feel like I did something and for me to get adaptations. And so those two are usually kind of paired together. And I'd say it's a, it's a ton of people. And I know this because I just started my group programming service and I found that a lot of people, well, not a lot, but several people said it and I'm sure a lot of people thought it. They're like, wow, this is less volume than I'm used to. And that's okay. That is part of what I hope to accomplish with the group programming is to take people who have been doing a lot of junk volume and make them more efficient with their training and get them close to failure and not doing more sets than they need to and picking the right exercises and you know, uh, staying within the hypertrophy rep range. And if we're talking about the hypertrophy rep range, yes, we could say that there's equal hypertrophy from five to 30. There is, but you could even say that 20 to 30 rep range might be junk. You could, there are people who say north of 15 is junk. And I would say their argument would be that if you can get it with eight to 10, eight to 12, six to 12, then why spend more time in that higher rep range, which again, takes more time to get the same benefit um, and so, I, you know, I, listen, I think there's a little bit more nuance there. I think a set of 25 and a set of six are different. Um, you know, maybe in the short term in studies, we see equivalent hypertrophy. I think over the long term, there might be a difference. That's probably a conversation for another day. So the biggest offenders of, of junk volume, in my opinion, are the too far from failure crowd, which they end up picking up the way too much volume crowd and making best friends with them. Because if you're not close to failure, you're going to need way more sets. Uh, and so, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're you're in my group programming, you've thought about my group programming, you might jump in there and think, wow, there's not as many sets as I'm used to. That's because you were probably not close enough to failure, which meant you needed more sets to get the same benefit or worse benefit, frankly. And we are going to push you to actually get close to failure, actually make the most of your sets and be way more efficient. Like 
yeah, junk definitely means useless, right? If it's junk volume, it could be useless. But I think the average person needs to also consider efficiency. Like you don't have, you're not Ronnie Coleman with the, your entire life riding on your hypertrophy gains. Like you don't have as un, an unlimited amount of hours to be spending on this. We need to make sure people are being efficient with their time, with their effort. Uh, and I think over time, efficiency is probably going to lead to more benefit just from a consistency standpoint, from an enjoyment standpoint, from an overwhelm standpoint. I have a lot of people who come to me like overwhelmed with 25 sets on each leg day and they're like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to keep this up. You know how you're going to keep it up? You're going to turn 25 sets into eight and you're going to get freaking close to failure, pick the right exercises for you and you're going to be way, way, way more efficient and drop a lot of that junk volume. All right, guys. So that's going to be the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This can definitely be something for the person on the the average commute or out to uh, out for a walk. And so I uh, appreciate you being here and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.